I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Try tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Lisa Ringerfield, co-founder of the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. We are really excited to announce that the Outspoken Summit will be returning in 2021. This year has created an opportunity for triathletes to get back in the blocks and start to rebuild triathlon to create a more inclusive and welcoming space for all. Join us from the 12th to the 14th of November as we host a virtual summit to connect with like-minded women, center women's equity in the sport, hear from industry leaders, and develop leadership skills related to our roles in triathlon. The summit will provide a rich forum to develop strong voices, inspire others, and advocate for change in the sport we love. For more information and to sign up for the event, go to OutspokenSummit.com. We hope to see you there. Hi, Sarah. Welcome home. Oh, thanks, Sarah. It's good. It's good to be back. Yeah. I, it was, so we can, we can talk about the whole running part of it later. (laughs) The whole running Olympic trials part. Yeah. Yeah, Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. We'll come Um, back to that. uh, Yeah. But one of the funny things was just traveling as a pregnant lady and the weird things that strangers would say to me. Wow. Like more than one weird thing? Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I got multiple weird things. The, the best was I was just out walking Uh and some guy, he's like, you should go straight to the hospital. (laughs) to talk about unsolicited advice what <laughs> i'm like it's good it's all good i have some time but thank you for your concern yeah um and oh and then a, a woman this one was actually i guess nice i don't know but th- she was driving down the street going the opposite way and she stops her car and screams out the window i love your baby bump <laughs> It's like how you know that you're pulling it off. That's like... But just how weird. How weird. And like, what what do you think? Like, what's your theory on this? Like, what do you think is special about your particular baby bump? I have no idea, but apparently she liked it. And like, it's obviously I have no control over it. Right. I don't think it's special. It's just a... Baby it's bump. just a baby and bump. It's a, yeah. It's just very obvious pregnant belly. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get like everybody telling you their pregnancy stories? No. Although uh on the plane ride back, so this this was just brutal because I had to wake up at like 3:40 in the morning to get on my flight. So all Ouch. I wanted to do was just kind of rest. Mm-hmm. And the woman next to me, uh transcontinental flight, she's like telling me her entire child rearing story and oh i got the i got the whole thing yeah and it was brutal it was i just it was sweet i guess 
but I just wanted to rest. Yeah, it's maybe maybe it's a bit of a blessing in disguise that this has happened. Like this has been during COVID that you've been pregnant because like a lot of like I associate getting all of that like unsolicited advice and everyone's pregnancy stories and all of that in the change room at the pool. Like oh yeah, yeah. I I I've gotten minimal because of that. You're right. Yeah, and You're I think right. that like I, honestly I don't think it's all a bad thing. Like at the beginning I was like you know, great. Like, I want to hear everyone's experience. Like, it's wonderful, whatever. But then, like, after a while, I'm just like, okay. And then a lot of them, especially at the pool, a lot of them kind of turned into, like, someone wants to tell you that they swam and then immediately went to the hospital to give birth. Like, everybody wants to tell you that's as if that's, like, winning pregnancy. Like, if you could be exercising right up until the moment it pops out, somehow we conceive this as, like, winning pregnancy. I don't know where that came from, but I feel like the active community like I've I've just heard that a thousand times I'm like you know what if I if I swam the day before like who cares like or if I swam three months before and then had to stop because I needed to bed rest also fine like did we have a healthy baby that's what matters you know you know that that being said uh I have gotten a couple women at the pool who said uh that when they were pregnant they didn't swim and really just in general, exercise was kind of frowned upon the older ladies. Yeah. And I, I think that is has been really valuable just to realize, to put into perspective that, you know, things have changed a lot. Yeah. So th- I've, I've enjoyed the older ladies' stories, just reinforcing that we, you know, how we approach pregnancy totally. as active people so much better these days. Yeah. And the thing that I, the one thing I do appreciate about, like, some of the women who did share their stories with me is, like, I understood implicitly that they were like rebelling a little bit against common Mm. knowledge and doing what felt good for their bodies instead of, you know, which is hard to do when you do want to bring a healthy baby into the world. And like, maybe I should be staying home and doing nothing. Um, But instead they were like out there swimming and running and climbing mountains, you know? Yeah. That is, that is pretty cool. But after like the third story. Yeah. No. Or like the 35th (laughs) story. Like, it's like, what the hell? Um, Okay. Coming up on this show. Oh, we have a voicemail about solicited advice. Speaking of which, uh, we're going to talk about Coeur d'Alene and racing in the heat. Sarah's Olympic trials, Sarah's Olympic trials wrap up. (laughs) Maybe it's Ben's Olympic trials wrap up. We'll see. Um, And a little I rock because after this. And our regular listeners will know that if we were riding and all things feisty is proudly partnered with Orca Sportswear. For 15% off all items on orca.com, please use the code livefeisty15. And that includes the wetsuits. So good deals all around. Okay, so we have a voicemail this week, Sarah. Shall we play it? Let's do it. Hi, Sarah and Sarah. This is Elena from London, Ontario. I'm calling to give Sarah some solicited advice. That's Sarah True, that is. She asked what she could do um, while her partner is off um, racing. And one thing that was once suggested to me was to insert little surprise notes into the person's suitcase without them knowing. Maybe roll it up in some of their clothes or hide it um, in a pocket or in their um, toiletries bag. Just a little note. Maybe that's too cutesy for Sarah True. I don't know. But it's just an idea. Thanks. Love your show. Well, 
Well, thank you for that. Yes, it was solicited, and I love that advice. You know, every, I don't know, it just reminds me, actually, my mom never did that. I was going to say it reminds me when you're a kid and, like, your your parent puts a note in your lunchbox. That was not my life experience, but right. I've seen, I've seen in, like, movies and TV that that happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's giving me an idea. If, if I sent a note in Rosie's lunch, she'd be like... Like, who are you and what have you done with my actual mother? Like, I think she'd be alarmed. That would actually be really funny. Yeah. But just do something totally random and put it in her lunchbox. Yeah, I did. <laughs> one time I did. Did I tell you the bread story? Like, she, <laughs> so she, one day we we're at the grocery store and she wanted this, like, loaf of crusty bread. Like, it was a big French loaf. Big. Like, designed for, like, a family meal. Like, I, you guys can't see my hands, but, like. I'm showing Sarah right now how large this <laughs> loaf of bread is. And it had like, you know, like that crusty kind of exterior and it was soft in the middle, right? And then like within an hour of coming home from the supermarket, I go into her room and I just, I'm like, what is that on the bed? And it's like the bread, but it's been, she's like dug a hole in it and eaten the innards out of this bread. <laughs> and so it's like a hollow, it still looks like a loaf of bread. <laughs> But, like, it's not edible to anyone. Like, she just ate the whole inside. That's all she really wanted. Yeah, clearly. So the next day, I just sent that in her lunch. (laughs) The shell? Oh, that's so brutal. You should have put a note inside of it. (laughs) Yeah, I should have. That would have been, like, that would have been amazing. I put, like, some cheese, you know, so she could, like, turn it into, like, a sandwich if she wanted. (laughs) Like, I put other things in her lunch, not just that. But, like, I was like, I'm not making a sandwich. Like, this is just going in. So. <laughs> Did, what'd she say when she got home? She didn't, like, she didn't say anything. It's just, like, the next time that we, the next time we bought that same bread, I was like, can you not eat the insides out, please? And the, and she's like, can you not send it in my lunch? <laughs> So she got it. Like, she got the tit-for-tat situation that was, yeah. like, you know. So I thought it was a mission accomplished. I I feel I feel like she's kind of your equal in some ways, you know? <laughs> it's frightening. Like, the two of you, it's a little, it's a little bit of a, a not a battle, but, like, you know, you're both sharp, have yeah. a good sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She definitely, she's, like, used, like, everything in the book now to, like, try to get me to increase her allowance, you know? So she keeps trying to, like, play me and manipulate me. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So. Love it. Yeah. So she, the most recent one was that because she's, like, um, like, right now because it's Pride Month, she's all into, like, the LGBTQ rights stuff, like, and she's, like, watching TikToks about it and we talk about it, whatever. And then, awesome. And so she's, like, uh... <laughs> She's like, if you don't increase my, because, because now she's like, well, I, like, I support LGBTQ rights, so you should increase my allowance. So if you what? don't, if you don't, you're homophobic. No! <laughs> yes. Like, she just, like, she'll try on everything. She's like, that's homophobic. <laughs> like, that's not Hi. what homophobia is. <laughs> Honey, that's not how it works. <laughs> but good try. Solid effort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you have you're gonna have some fun years ahead of yeah. you. And every once in a while, like I do get properly played, like where I'm like, oh yeah, like so, <laughs> so because like a, a while back, 
few months ago, I don't think we talked about this, a few months ago, she had a seizure in her sleep, um, a very short one, um, and she was at her yeah. dad's house. And we've, like, seen the specialists and gone through all the things and done the brain scans and everything, right? And she hasn't had one since. But she has learned that if she says she has certain symptoms, <laughs> she'll, like... So, yeah, so I get played on this, like, mommy, she calls me in the middle of school day, I feel dizzy, you know? And, like, it's a, it's a massive catch-22, right, for right. me as a parent, right? Because I'm like, well, um, <laughs> if I don't pick her up and she has a seizure, which is, like, very, very, very unlikely because I think she's triggered by sleep, like, or sleep deprivation. Hmm. But yeah anyway so like sometimes she just knows like she knows exactly like what she's doing that's that's a really tough one Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so the best i can do is like my solution is to like talk to her about it and be like listen like you can't like make sure she understands the reasons why like school is good and she needs to be there um and like help her enjoy school more so she doesn't want to do that like like try to get it at the roots instead of like dealing with a symptom which is her just like doesn't feel like being there anymore and calls me up in the middle of the day but she could also legitimately be a little dizzy and not yeah be having any of this yeah symptoms, i thought yeah so. exactly like there could be other I, I think there there was some legitimacy with that one the other thing sorry now we're just on rosy stories but like the other thing that's, that's hilarious to me is like there's there's like emergency phones in the hallway of the school and they're not supposed to use them but she clearly just picks them up and calls me like anytime she wants oh that she's is she's never funny. been caught no one's ever said anything to her i don't know if anyone's ever seen her on the phone or asked her why like i'm like she's just like the cheeky kid who's willing to, when they're like don't use the phones she's like okay i'll use the phone <laughs> like, yeah oh man that's wow. what i'm dealing with we 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 totally went off topic. We did. But yeah. I am here for it. That was. I really got some good stories there. <laughs> I'm, I'm very scared for like ten years from now. <laughs> Me too. So Slightly frightened. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Wait. Maybe we could talk about triathlon. Like for what? For like a new topic. You know, just like something fresh ah, for the podcast. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, we are a triathlon-ish podcast. <laughs> so what? I think it's interesting. This weekend is Ironman Coeur d'Alene. Mm-hmm. I've never done it. I know you have. Uh, but it's supposed to be crazy, insanely hot there. And, I mean, I'm still working out the, the Ironman heat stuff. But, like, I think kind of sharing sharing some things that have worked for us. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because people are going to be racing in the heat. What do you think? Yeah. Um... I got a couple tips. One thing that did work for me, and this is like probably not a tip for everyone to do, but it's actually doing a magnesium load. Have you ever done that? Oh, it, it blew out my guts. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Shit. Actual <laughs> shit. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it, it actually worked for me. And it, it the thing it affected the most was, so I took like 800 milligrams of magnesium a day for a couple weeks before, I think a week, one to two weeks. I can't remember exactly. So this is not medical advice, <laughs> everyone. Um, and I, I really noticed a difference in the heat with like my brain. Because that would be the first thing that would go would be like, my head would start to feel woozy in the heat. And I just got like a lot more before I had to, you know, before that would come into it. And when you have your head together, it's super helpful <laughs> while racing. 
Um, the other thing, well, that, sorry, go ahead. That's why staying on, staying on top of sugar mm. uh, in the heat is even more important because yeah, I, I have noticed for me the same thing. Yeah. Did you use salt tabs or what kind of like electrolyte stuff did you use? Uh, yeah. Salt tabs. I, I ended up, uh, I really like, so scratch labs has like a, uh, preload, mm -hmm. which I, which I've, I've had a lot of success with, um, more so than like the salt tablets and stuff. Cause yeah. like I said, total GI blowout. Um, uh, but like, I, I can't remember what it's called, but it's, it's like a hyperhydration uh, mix and just the night before and the night or the morning of, um, doubling up with that. But I think a lot of, a lot of it for me is just holding ice every single aid station. Oh yeah. Because, you know, like the, you know, the, the neural feedback, um, you know, yes. having it ice in your hands and on your wrists, it's, it's massive. Yeah. Absolutely massive. Yeah. I used to put like ice in my kit, you know, like in my bra. So mm -hmm. you have like this. You have like ice boobs um, <laughs> or like the back of my neck. Like if your body thinks it's cool for a minute, it gives you that right. break. Um, that's a really great point. Um, the other thing, like I did used to use salt tabs and like I know there's like a lot of debate around electrolyte stuff, but I definitely for me used to feel like it was mostly sodium that I needed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think that's where you do listen to your body and – like if you start craving salt, you find salt. Um, yeah. But I think where I have had trouble is where just doing like the hyper uh, sodium load, where just it overwhelms my gut and right. like you know if you don't if you don't do it in training, obviously you're not going to be drinking pure water because that would be a terrible idea. You need some sort of electrolytes over the course of a race. Yeah. Uh, but like staying within the range of what you've trained to do, I think is huge. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The other thing for me was like, I used to be, and I know this is, again, everything's individual, but I used to always be yeah. shocked when folks were like going to Kona and intentionally booking places that didn't have AC. Like as much as I hate AC and like, I love, like I go now to do media coverage and I'll like n never turn on the AC. Right. But like, after a session, like if I'm getting, if I was getting ready for the race now, I never performed that well in Kona. So like you're taking advice from like, whatever, but, <laughs> but like, like when you come back in from like, so you go out, say to acclimatize, say like a couple weeks before, a week before you're like still doing a few sessions to acclimatize with yeah. the heat. Then you like want to get your core body temperature down as quickly as possible. Right. And if you're just constantly in like slightly elevated heat, it's just not possible. So you're not recovering as well. And I like, that kind of really worked for me to make sure I was getting my core body temperature down after like either training or sometimes just after freaking going outside. <laughs> um, so like, no, yeah, totally. So I, I know like other people swear by like staying without AC and being acclimatized that way, but it, that just wasn't. I, I don't know. Just, I like to sleep. Um, <laughs> There's that. I mean, yeah. We, we both come from northern places, though. Yeah. So I think we're, like, I I like it when it's really cool right. to be able to sleep. That's just, yeah. you know, I, I cannot sleep if it's too hot. Right. Um, and I think that mentally would, would just be too much for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing that has taken me a little bit of time, it, it's actually been, I learned this the hard way through the short course racing, is to just pace it conservatively right. on the run. Yeah. Because that's that's a huge one. 
like honestly, these these hot races, it's more about who falls apart the second half of the marathon. Right. Um, and like in the short course races, like I, I wasn't great in the heat for them. But I had some good races just starting off a little easier than other people and just watching them come back to me the entire time. So I think that's a big one. Like, forget about what your watch says because it's irrelevant. Just what is your perceived effort and your perceived effort in those sort of conditions? Like, that's all you need to care about. Yeah, that's especially like in a hot race, like everyone, like most people are going to be falling apart, right? So you just, if you're just well within yourself, it you know you could find yourself overtaking people in the final part of the marathon especially like oh in you Iron will Man. <laughs> yeah um i have a story about this um in edinburgh i used to go to this um running session that happened like it, this guy was hilarious so like every tuesday night at seven fifty-five, he started his watch on like and there were three different distances you could do for um intervals and he would do five intervals and you could either do 650 1k or 1250 and he had it marked out it was at a certain park in edinburgh and this guy and he did it like rain or shine one year it was like christmas day on a tuesday he was still there with three guys like it's like like legendary he'd been doing it for years before i got there and years after i left um, and apparently his story is he went to the Olympic Games, um, Scottish, he went to the games for the 10K. Um, was there a games in like the 80s in Cancun? Am I thinking of the right thing? It was in Mexico. Mexico City. Mexico yeah. City. Thank you. Yeah. So he went to Mexico City and there weren't enough um, guys. This is like, this is funny when you think about the Olympics now and the qualifying and all the like, you've just been through helping choose a team, you know, but like there weren't enough guys running the marathon. So they came into like the change room after they were done the 10 K and was like, Hey, does anyone want to run the marathon? (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, and nobody volunteered. He's like, I will. Right. Because it's like blazing hot. They're trained for a 10 K like, and he, um, and he went out and he just like went out like every day. There was a week between the events or so. Every day he went out and ran on the track at 2.30 pace, um, which 2.30 pace for the marathon, like that's not going to, in other conditions, is not going to win you an Olympic marathon, right? Like Yeah, n- not for the women. Yeah, 2.30, yeah. <laughs> like you're not even, yeah, you're not winning the women's race at that point. Like you're just like, but he was like, that's what I think I can do in this heat. I'm going to do it. Same thing, like same clockwork person that's there every Tuesday night at the Meadows in Edinburgh saying go at 7.55 p.m. So he like yeah so anyway he went out he said he sat on his 2.30 pace right was way behind and like everybody dropped like flies because of the heat and he came ninth. (laughs) What? Yes. Oh my gosh that's amazing well and and it was also at altitude. Yeah, I, I so it's the double whammy. Yeah, that's incredible. So he just I like love that story. Yeah, it's I thought that was a great story because like that's exactly like it's exactly how it goes in Iron Man too. Like every almost every Iron Man I've been sorry I'm just like telling random stories, but like almost every Iron Man I go to, I don't know if you find this, but like the day after at the awards, it's always like this is the worst conditions we've ever experienced. It was so hot out there. It was so windy. It was so this. It was so that. Like it's part of the like making people feel good about their accomplishment to be like the conditions were brutal. <laughs> like, so well, that, that's part of, you know, the feel good, you know, story behind Siren totally. for sure. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So well, yeah, that's good. The- so good. Good luck to any of our listeners. If you're, you're racing Coeur d'Alene, 
who knows if any of that was valuable, but and you know. Alyssa and Haley will be there um, from the Iron yes. Woman podcast, and I think that they're both racing actually. And um, Jamila, who is our community innovator on the Feisty team, she is also going to be there, I believe, with an iPhone, um, doing some social media stuff on Feisty Triathlon. So watch for that also. Um, Sarah, you're going to Kona, right? Yes. Uh, Baby True and I are going to make the trip. Oh, amazing. So, I know, I know. Well, I have no idea how one travels with a three-month-old, but we're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's good. I'm glad that you're, like, you know, keeping I'm something. I'm not racing. Up. I would like to clarify I'm not racing. That would be a little soon. <laughs> right. Good, good, excellent point in case anyone thought that. Um, so is that, does that mean that like some of your sponsors or some of the brands you work with are like committing to Kona now? Like, cause I'm just at the, at that moment where like, I just booked our accommodation for our team to go and do media coverage. Like what, what is happening from your perspective is the race, like, is it going to be like fully all the brands are there or what do you think? a little scaled down but i think it's it's going to be pretty similar um you know they're definitely racing there's no question iron man is going to make this happen right so any company that's u.s based i'm sure will have a presence Mm -hmm. it might be a scaled back presence because who knows marketing you know what their budgets have been like and whether or not they want to fully commit in case things change um but yeah i think i think it'll feel pretty normal Right. That'd be my guess. I hope so. Yeah, so I'm I'm going um, because I work with the Zwift Academy Tri Team. Oh, nice. And you know, I need I need to motivate them, cheer them on, <laughs> give them all my best tips. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm still like still working on what maybe we could maybe some of our listeners could tell us what they want to hear from us in Kona. Because I feel like yeah. me and you should, like, we should record or do something. We should do or do a live video or two somewhere or find some fun people to interview. We should do something. Well, uh, we could do, like, jello shots and see what happens. Because <laughs> <I mean, laughs> by then I could do that, right? I don't know how it works. There's <laughs> the whole breastfeeding thing. You could do, like, a jello shot or two. Okay. All right. We'll see. We'll see. I'll I'll get I'll get advice from my doctor. It's okay. just gonna be it's gonna be straight up Jello, yeah. and you're gonna have the ones with like vodka. In them. Honestly, like like the vodka for me is fine. Like it was actually the Jello that was the problem. Like, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the last time I've eaten Jello. Yeah, it's like like trying to like honestly like trying to squeeze that much gooey, disgusting sweetness into your mouth like from a syringe. It was in a syringe, which is kind of weird. Oh. Yeah, it was just like I can't believe we're talking about Jello shots again. <laughs> it's like <laughs> okay, so game on for Kona. My team's gonna yep. be there. We are stoked. Yep. Sarah and I will be there. Oh, okay, we'll be there. Tell me about um, Ben's the Ben's Olympic trials. I loved your oh, post, yeah. by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So. Oh, so heartbreaking. Uh, he ran the 10K and he was fourth. And with three spots? US, yeah, with three spots. Oh. And he had, yeah, everybody ahead of him also had the Olympic standard. Um, so in, in track and fields uh, for the U.S., basically, if you're top three and have the Olympic standard, you're going. Sometimes people finish top three and they don't have the standard and then it rolls down. Um, but it was just... 
going into the race, like he he dug himself out from a little bit of an overtraining phase. Right. So a few weeks ago, I'm like, I don't know how this is gonna go. Like, you know, if if it had been a few months ago, I would have felt really confident. Um, at that ends, he's 35. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your speed kind of disappears as you get older. Yeah. That high, so he can he can do a time trial now. But so much of track is about how you can cover the last quarter, how yeah. you can like cover the last 200. And if you've already been racing for 9.6K and then you have to turn on the, the after blasters, like just as you get older, it's, 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 you lose that. I have so, noticed my lack of after blasters, actually. <laughs> I, I, I don't have, I don't have it either. Um, but like, I think that's what, what is really hard for, um, you know, those of us who are just, we run, but we don't run at, you know, anywhere near that level. Yeah. Like it's hard for us to, to wrap our heads around yeah. is these, these men and women can run so fast, but also change gears. And that's the part that like makes a national class runner, like that's what differentiates somebody from world-class uh, like a national class is their ability to change pace. Interesting. So, yeah. So like he, like he wasn't feeling confident in his kick. The conditions weren't like, it was pretty windy. So he knew that if he just went hard, uh, you know, pretty far out that those three guys would just kind of tuck in behind him in the wind. And so I'm super proud of him because it's been a really hard year. Like, yeah. you know, he's, he's unsigned, um, which like basically back this fall, uh, his, his major sponsor decided, uh, not to resign him. Uh, so like, you know, he knows that we're having a kid and, you know, two thirds of our income just like went out the door. Uh, so like, he's been able to stay motivated and on top of things. Yeah. And I'm just so insanely proud of him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But also heartbroken because, you know, he didn't make the team. Yeah. And how is he feeling? Uh, you know, I think, I think it's pretty complicated because he knew if he had, if he had finished on the team, like financially that changes a lot for us potentially because somebody would have signed him. Yeah. Um, so I think he's feeling pressure that way, but also this is his, third Olympic trials where he's gotten agonizingly close to making the team. Um, and like his, you know, just super close. So it's hard where it's just this monkey on his back where, you know, he's one of the best, uh, you know, American distance runners of, you know, his generation. And like, he, he's not going to go to the Olympics. Um, you know, like, yeah. We, we, we put so much weight and pressure on, you know, having that next year name for certain sports. Yeah. Um, like there, there are less accomplished athletes by far who've made Olympic teams. Um, but that's, you know, that's just going to have to be something that he's going to have to feel good about his career. Yeah. Knowing that he didn't make it. Um, but it didn't, doesn't diminish what he's done. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, do you relate to that at all? Uh, I got to go to the Olympics twice, you know? Mm-hmm. So, obviously, like, I, I wanted to try to get a medal. But, uh, you know, whether 
your first or your last, if you've been to the Olympics, you're an Olympian. Yeah. Um, and that's something that like I get to, to bring with me the rest of my life. And I don't feel like my life is not different because I've been to the Olympics. Yeah. Um, but like how he f- is going to feel about his career is going to be different than how I feel about my career because of this one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I relate to it quite strongly because I, cause it took me 10 years to win Ironman. Like, so my equivalent of Olympics in terms of big goals for um, my athletic career was winning an Ironman. And like when, like 10 years before I had seen the signs that this was like, possible or like within me and felt like it was a reasonable goal and it took me that long and so like I had to come to terms with that exact exact thing like actually I might have this career where I'm forever sitting like and it kept building like it was like for a while I was like oh I've been on the podium 10 times (laughs) like or you know 25 top five Ironman finishes I think was like sometimes like that would be the, the way that I was like marking my like my mm. career or the things I would say to sponsors or like, you know what I mean? Um, I couldn't say Ironman champion. And um, yeah. And so I did have to like have that moment of reckoning where it's like, this could be my career. And I have to like, I have to accept that um, and like feel good about it. Like I have to find a way to feel good about it, <laughs> um, yeah. which is like harder. It sounds like it kind of sounds stupid because sometimes I'm aware that like you know you come forth at an Ironman and there's lots of people who would like love to come forth or be able to like compete in the pro ranks full stop. Um, so like you know, at one one hand, you know that you have this like that you should have this like extreme joy, and it's, sometimes I did too. Like it's a privilege to be racing there with all the pros, um, and I understood that. But um, yeah, it, it's hard. You know, I, I get that it's hard. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, we, you know, we're so, we're so driven and to fall short of something that you've worked so hard for. Yeah. Um, you know, it, that, that is more people than not, but it doesn't make it hurt any less, especially when you've been really, really close multiple times. Yeah. And you know, I mean, what the hardest part about, uh, Olympics is that it's once every four years. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's, and for, for an athlete who is 35, like, would he, would he have had a better shot last year? Mm-hmm. You know, at 34, like, right. would those guys have developed as much as they did? Cause like, you know, they're in their early twenties. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like when you're coming forth, like when you're coming forth at Olympic trials, there's like, there has to have been several races in which like there's a roll of the dice you know, that, that happens that it's like, that's like, it could have gone slightly different on a different day or like you say a different year or a different build up or, you know, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Like, I, I, I think, I think it was more, it was clearer, uh, in 2016. So going to the 5k, he was ranked like fifth or sixth in the world. So like he felt confident about his ability to make the team. Uh, but did the 10K first, and it was crazy hot and humid, um, and it just was not going his way. Mm-hmm. But he fried himself staying in the race, so he didn't have to stay in the race. He could have pulled out, and a lot of the guys who ended up doubling in the five did pull out. Um, and that, like, that took enough out of his legs that he missed the team 
by like 0.13 seconds, something like it was, it was, you know, a fraction of a second. Yeah. And so for him, that was very clear. Like if I had pulled out of the 10 K, I mostly likely would have made the team. Whereas this time around, and this is, this is almost the best case scenario when you fall short of a goal. She's like, there's nothing I could have done differently in the race. Like he could not have done anything differently in the race. Like there's nothing he could have done in the immediate lead up, you know, that he can point to like, yeah, he was a little overtrained, but he went in, he wasn't injured. So I think it's going to be easier for him to wrap his head around it this time than last time. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Regret stinks. Especially when you're like, I made a massive mistake. Yeah. And it cost me my dream. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's hard to I think I think that most people probably don't put themselves on the line to that point where um something like like in triathlon I think about times when um someone has been in the wrong gear in a corner, <laughs> got dropped from a pack and lost an Olympic medal. Like that kind of shit <laughs> happens in sport all the time like that is essentially what you're putting on the line and and once you've been doing elite sport for a while you start to realize that like I don't think like I kind of went in pretty naive thinking like if I'm the fittest on the day I'll win Ironman (laughs) um and it just doesn't play out like that you know no no Um, there there's an element of you know things lining up mm -hmm. um you know luck or whatever like making fewest number of mistakes (laughs) yeah (laughs) to be able to to let that fitness show. Yeah. I remember a time in, um, it was really early in my career in Penticton at Ironman Canada. Um, I punctured on a tubular and I wasn't, I didn't know how to change a tubular. I didn't know how to change it quickly. Like I was very new. Um, and I was at the side of the road for 14 minutes. They, they came and helped, like the mechanical help came and helped me. Um, and then I lost the race by like, something like 14 minutes like it was like yeah (laughs) like (laughs) just like shit like that you know where you're like oh if I'd only freaking learned to change a tubular like (laughs) you know and like that like honestly like that's a lesson learned like that never happened to me again like yeah you know but yeah I just I feel for crap like that because you know it adds up like and when you don't um I think you learn more lessons like maybe for Ben like you know you learn more lessons when you lose or when you just lose like because you're going through everything in your mind you're like what could I have done better like as I mean as an athlete and as a person too like you grow more through that experience I think um so anyway these were some of the things I told myself when I <laughs> when I hadn't won for 10 years so no I, I absolutely I- and you you don't you don't take the good days for granted as much. I think that's yeah. that's important yeah. because it is really easy when you're on a streak and things are just falling into place. It's easy to take it for granted. Yeah, I remember like I can remember I've had this talk with a couple people where um, folks are like upset. Like sometimes like they got beat by someone they perceive to be not as good an athlete as them, and they're like upset about it. Like listen. <laughs> Like, the sport does not owe you anything. Like, no. <laughs> that's, you know, like, it is what it is. Like, she brought her A-game, she beat you. That's it. <laughs> totally. Like, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's take a little break and do I Rock Because. Yeah. 
If We Were Writing is a feisty podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at If We Were Writing. And we love hearing from our feisty friends. So please send us a voicemail at sarah at livefeisty.com. That's Sarah without an H. Right. So just grab your phone, record an audio file, and email it to me. And we will love it and love you forever. Every day, there seems to be a new wellness trend, like eat this, do this, avoid those scary things. And how do we know where to start and who to trust? Inside Tracker cuts through the noise by analyzing your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers. This provides you with a personalized, science-based, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests and includes tests that we need as athletes but aren't traditionally included, like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part is that they don't just give you the data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. So for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our If We Were Riding listeners 25% off their entire store. So just go to insidetracker.com forward slash riding that's insidetracker.com forward slash writing, as in, if we were, change is an inside job, start inside. All right, Sarah, I don't know why I rock, so you need to go first. <laughs> okay. I can <laughs> <laughs> actually go first this week because I've just had, like the last two days, I don't think I've ever had to think on my feet so much as in the last two days of my life. Like, just like, you know, like those days where like, several different things go wrong but like I had some important meetings lined up and I had to like there were certain moments in the day where I had to be on point you know um and so it takes like when things aren't going as you expect them to go it takes like you have to think on your feet um mm. do you know what I mean by that like um and so <clears throat> I'd have to squeeze in like I'm doing prep for my next meeting in the line at the bank <laughs> or like just like constantly thinking through like how can I make this work and like figuring out a new way to make it work. I took a bunch of meetings from my car while like charging it or like doing other things. Like I just, so two days in a row, um, this is what happened. It is partially because like my kid has been homesick um, from school. So that just creates like a different level of um, motherhood chaos uh, that then you have like everything gets adjusted and I can't just, like I just was not having two days where I could just sort of cancel things and shovel and like shuffle them around because I'm literally like away the next two weeks so it's like if it doesn't happen now like if I don't talk to the sponsor today this potential sponsor or this other potential partner whatever I'm doing like it's it's like I'm waiting three weeks and you don't want to do that like you don't want to let those conversations just die um right so yeah so I guess sorry that was like a long <laughs> I like a, that though that's good a long rant like of Iraq because like I got to the end of yesterday and today, like now we're kind of the end of day two of this and, and I, I feel good about it. So nice. Uh, I rock because I started a stats course last week, Ooh, which is either a crazy idea or a very confident idea. <laughs> okay. So Sarah, how have you, like, how are you, have you traditionally been with like math and mathy related things? You know, well, stats, there's a real world application. So I do better with that kind of math. Okay. Um, 
it's more... So what's interesting about the format of this course is I have 16 weeks to cover the material. And in an ideal world, I would be working nonstop right now because um, I am three weeks away from my due date. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah, that. Right. But I am not doing that. (laughs) So this is going to be an interesting experiment. Um, But, you know, sometimes you just need to, to do something bold. And this seems like you know, a time where I'm going to be hanging out and having little chunks of time. So mm-hmm. maybe this is a terrible idea, but I rock because I'm doing something that's definitely a bit risky. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't put that together at first. So are you going to have like classes and stuff? Like you're going to be like giving birth one day and like sitting in class on zoom the next. No. So it's, it's, it's uh, like a very flexible format. Okay. So I can do the class material, the course material whenever I want. Uh, okay. It's just, it takes 16 weeks. Yeah. Um, I, that's what they say. Like some people, I guess, do it in, you know, 13, 14 weeks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have access to everything once I do the previous module kind of thing and right. submit my assignments and papers and stuff. So wow. yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> It might, oh, yeah, it, it, you know, it might be good, like cause a bit of distraction in case you're like tempted to do, you know, like, you know, I know people, you probably do too, women who have had like pelvis fractures and things just from like trying to come back too quickly. Um, and so maybe this will help you like keep your brain occupied and... Not that, like, coming back too quickly is bad. Like, people can do... Honestly, women can take it at their own pace. I, I, I have no opinion about that. But I do know people who have, like... If if elite sport is your entire world, um, I can see how it ends up being tempting to be like, well, maybe I can do a run. Oh, maybe I can do some intervals, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, I think that's it more than, uh, you know, being a distraction from the training. It's the identity piece. Yeah. So... I think it's important for me, uh, especially like this, this is going to be a really overwhelming phase the next few months. Yeah. And just knowing that there's this thing that has nothing to do with sport, which I won't be able to do for, you know, the way that I like for a few more months. Yeah. Uh, at least, and it has nothing to do with the baby. Um, but it's just solely to do with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, that's, I think that's why I felt compelled to do it. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. I took a similar strategy. Like I, while I was pregnant as well. And then after Rosie was born, I like, I had increased my coaching load. Mm. Um, Cause when I was training and racing, I would maybe coach like eight people or 10 people. But then I took on like 16 or 20 maybe during that year. Um, and that was good. Like I, like when when I knew she was coming, essentially, like I gave everybody like two weeks of programming and was like, if you have a question, talk to my friend over here <laughs> kind of thing for two weeks. Like I gave myself two weeks. And then after yeah. that, like it just like it was nice to have something to do. Like I remember because you can do you can do stuff while you're breastfeeding. Like, yeah, exactly. you can have a computer there and read things and watch things. And yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, uh, it's just it's just will I retain the material and we'll find out. We'll yeah, and, like, the sleeping thing, like, that will, yeah, it could affect you a little bit, but I have full faith. Well, thanks. You know, I think sometimes you have to do things that are a little uncomfortable, and yeah, I anticipate it will be, because um, 
Because, yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> it's funny to me well, that you chose stats. Like, that. <laughs> like, it couldn't have been. I mean, maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe you'll find it insanely interesting, but. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, the, the real world application of it. Uh, like, yeah. I, I do, I in, do enjoy that part. It's yeah. not, it's not some abstract, you know, form of math. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, there there are concrete examples that we use in our day to day life, right. which is cool. Yeah, cool. Uh, well, thank you for listening to another week of if we were writing, and it's been a while since we've gotten voicemails about why you all rock. So mm. please send us a voicemail. Why do you rock? And in the meantime, just keep on doing your thing, stay feisty, and we'll talk to you next week. Tell me to stop, my town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.